Welcome to the Closing Time Podcast for May 5th, 2019. I'm Joe McGuire along with Abby Bro. There is some good news. There's some bad news in real estate. We've got all the latest, plus some big news in the short-term rental world. Discrimination is not allowed in real estate, but did you know that you can discriminate against realtors? <laughs> we'll explain that. We've got so much more, including tips on proper pricing. Make sure you visit our website, closingtimepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on Instagram. Are we on, are we on Twitter yet? Have we made that move? I'm not a Twitter I'm, I, yeah, we Is have that going to be it. my job? Am I going to be the Twitter guy? Because yeah. I am a big Twitter guy. You're a Twitter guy. Yeah, so we'll be up on Twitter soon as well. Uh, you know, we live here in Connecticut. You're constantly hearing uh, talk about the population dwindling and, and people leaving in droves. According to the latest Census Bureau, about 1,200 people relocated from Connecticut. And the majority of them, believe it or not, went to big cities like Phoenix and Houston. Hmm. Seems like a lot more people go south. And and by south I mean like north and south Carolina. That's kind of where right. you think everybody's going. East but coast, south, yeah. They're really not. Uh, Hartford County, New London County, Litchfield, Middlesex, New Haven, and Tallinn all saw declines in population. You know where you saw an increase? Where Fairfield County, Fairfield County, and Wyndham County had the biggest increase around the entire state. Here's a news flash for anybody who's wondering: it's not the wealthy who are leaving the state of Connecticut. Mm. It's people who are just in the middle of the road, just middle-income people. That's mm -hmm. who's leaving this state. So you're saying that more people have moved to Fairfield County? Yes, they've yeah. seen an increase in their population size. And I wonder if that's people moving from New York. Um, I would assume there's always people moving into Fairfield from New York. Yeah. You know. Safe I, I, to say. Well, yeah, right. I mean, once I think once you're living in the city for a little while, yeah. you know, you're either going to be a city person or you're going to head out to the suburbs. I'm actually going to Fairfield County a little later today. Where in Fairfield? Um, In Stratford, looking at some investment properties. Oh, very nice. With an investor from New York. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense now, doesn't it? Totally. Uh, some good news on the economy. Uh, it has surpassed all expectations for the month of April. 263,000 new jobs, including, uh, a, we'll get to the number in a minute, but a really high number within the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. Analysts expected 190,000 and obviously far exceeded that. At 3.6%, the unemployment rate is at a 49-year low. 80,000 jobs were... Created within the real estate industry, mm -hmm. which is something I have never seen or heard of before. That yeah. is a monstrous number. God bless those people. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, with recent construction and growth and the first rise in pending home sales in 15 months, a strong jobs report suggests a slowdown in new construction could be coming to an end. Yeah, good. The unemployment boost could also help to ease the current housing inventory shortage. I wonder those 80,000 people, I wonder if they listened to Gary V this week talk about how um, everyone should quit their full-time job and just do their side hustle full-time. <laughs> yeah. You know? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe people are going for it. Yeah. I mean, it's a very interesting um, concept. Um, they say that people make about $200 a month on their side hustle. So whether that be... You know, your makeup artist, your uh, a photographer, a clown. I hear that they do actually really well. I actually do know people who are clowns. I know, right? Yeah, I know a couple too, and they do. They're booked every weekend. Yeah, well, that's you know? the whole thing. Yeah. Like, if you can get business, 
and you get those. And, and again, it's not unlike being a realtor. You know, mm-hmm. you go to a party, you, you do well. Yeah. Mom and dad see it, and they're like, hey, you if know, you we could want in- that too. Yeah, if you can infiltrate a mom group and you're a good clown, yeah. you know, your name's going to be everywhere. But um, yeah, so that's it's just really interesting. So, I, you know, being a realtor, though, is a full-time job. I did it part-time. Um, at some point in my life, I called it actually my full-time part-time job. <laughs> Cause even if you do do a uh, part-time, it is a full-time job investment, um, in your time and your money. Um, I mean, you have to invest in your marketing, your training, um, you know, everything from, you know, the, the conferences you go to, whether that be Inman or, um, you know, Tom Ferry, or perhaps you have a marketing guru like Gary Vee or, you know, uh, Tony Robbins or whatever, you know, that you're into that keeps you going. But you have to always keep investing in your lifestyle to um, get that return. Um, And then obviously the time that's included as well. So if these 80,000 people really, um, you know, put their time and energy into it, it could be really successful for them. Somebody said to me the other day, I have no idea how you could ever do real estate part time. And I was like, I know you're right. (laughs) <laughs> you can't it is hard it's very it, you 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 really ultimately can't yeah it's a big part of the reason we you and i are teamed up i mean yeah. you are you are in I'm it full time full time i'm in it as much as i can be yeah. given given my time constraints you, you know i i've always kept a sort of a, a a short client list just so that i don't overwhelm myself and that i yeah. can also give the attention to my clients so, you know, obviously to have someone to help me along with that certainly makes it easier, yeah. but it, it definitely is a part-time thing for me, but I put full-time effort, effort in yeah. and hours in some weeks, so... I get that. Yeah. yeah. I get that for sure. And I remember always feeling the same way. If you have, you know, four clients right now and you feel like you cannot take on any more physically, um, it gets overwhelming. But that's where you kind of have to have the faith and push through uh, to make this a really successful career uh, for yourself. Um because then you can always take on more. Then you can hire somebody. You can team up with somebody where you can spread out, you know, the clients um, and grow yourself. Yeah. Um, our new broker, Lisette, was talking about getting uh, the transaction uh, handlers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. We don't have those. A lot of uh, brokerages have them. Um, but, yeah, we're getting those. I mean, obviously, technology is making things easier. Like We've talked about the, um, you know, the technology out there that you know KW is using, and um, <clears throat> I mean even just Dot Loop. Yeah, Dot Loop changes everything. Oh, it, it really does. <laughs> yeah. I, I will tell you, it's gotten a lot easier over the last few years, as far as what the process is. Which is funny because the actual process has gotten more difficult. Mm. So, so having the advances in technology haven't made it overwhelming because, again, when you think about all the changes in how the real estate industry operates. If we were still working in the more prehistoric days, it, it would have yeah. been a lot more difficult. The Joe days yeah. with the big book that everyone passed around. Uh, now, I mentioned there was some bad news, uh, and here's one of them. Home sales across Connecticut for the month of March provide a weak lead-in to the state's spring home buying season. Sales and prices both registered year-over-year declines. Uh, the median sale price of a single-family house 
was 243,000. That's down 1.6%. It was about 247 this month last season. And home sales dropped nearly 5% over that same period. So far in 2019, the three-month trend for sales and prices paid is disappointing for the state's housing market, which has really struggled to recover from the last recession, which ended in March 2010. And there were a lot of hopeful signs in 2018 when Connecticut registered its third consecutive annual gain in median sales that, you know, maybe things were kind of on the uptick. And, and unfortunately, that is, is not the case. So it just means, Abby, that, you know, you got to go out there and, and hit the pavement a little bit harder. A little and, harder. And, you know, we're going to talk about some some different uh, lead generators. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things are, are super important right now, especially when sales are down, especially when the prices are a little more sluggish. Because now you got to you got to work a little harder to make up for less revenue that you're yeah. going to be pulling in per sale. Especially in the winter months. I mean, I'm definitely not having an issue right now. And I don't think anybody is. As far as sales now? Yeah, right now. Well, the, the market's insane right now. Yeah, now's the right time. Yeah. Now's the right time. And again, you know, that could hopefully spur uh, a stronger third quarter, which would be absolutely fantastic. So yeah. we shall see. Now, uh, as far as the government here in Connecticut, we've sort of talked about this over the last few weeks. Governor Lamont and the legislative Democrats are at odds over how to tax the state's wealthiest residents as the controversial capital gains tax appears to be alive and well. Mm-hmm. Now, a set of budget proposals that were approved by the Finance, Revenue, and Bonding Committee included a new surcharge on capital gains. It's a move that increases taxes that Ned Lamont has been adamant he is against. I mentioned this on the podcast last time. You could easily tax the richest people in this state the ones that are still here <laughs> and they're not going they're anywhere, not going anywhere. They're, listen here's the thing you can't move those greenish mansions no <laughs> down to south carolina you can't do it yeah there it doesn't work that way they're mm-hmm. not going anywhere uh i find it frustrating because again you know you're not talking about a ton of money and especially for people who certainly wouldn't even miss it i mm-hmm. assume that's a that's a big assumption to make. Yeah, that is. And, and if I was the guy in question, I probably wouldn't be feeling too great about it. Yeah. The legislature's plan would oppose a 2% surcharge on investment income beginning in 2020 for single filers earning more than 500K and couples making more than a million. The plan's esti- estimated to apply to fewer than 14,000 taxpayers. Wow. But it could raise $262 million in revenue. That's crazy. But now I've talked to legislators in both parties in Hartford. And again, I'm hearing we don't have a revenue problem in this state. We make money. Mm -hmm. The problem is we spend it and the expenses are kind of out of control. And that's why the state is struggling financially. Right. Now, opponents, as far as this tax are concerned, uh, say that they're afraid wealthy residents will leave the state and it'll discourage investment in real estate, which would fall under this tax. But that's not what we're seeing currently. I, again, you know, they're they're not moving. Yeah, they're those are not the people who are fleeing Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And if there was any indication that was the case, I, I could see the point. Right, it's a really weak argument. And as far as will people stop investing in real estate, no. No. 
real estate is one of those things that, you know, even in a bad market, you could still make a good living. You might have to hustle a little bit more, mm -hmm. but that's the beauty of the real estate industry is it's one of those things that no matter how bad things get, people are still buying and selling, especially in Fairfield County, mm -hmm. where people are constantly coming, you know, and moving into corporate positions, whether it be down in the Stanford area or in New York City, who are looking for a place in Connecticut, so... I don't know. Right. The the argument against seems kind of shallow. Yeah. I, no, I, I agree. I, I think, think they need a better excuse. Yeah, and I think this is definitely something to watch and see what happens. Oh, yeah. that <laughs> it, and I, Again, it's something that Ned Lamont is very opposed to, and right. I will just point out, it would apply to him as well. That's a really so, good point. Interesting. <laughs> he'd be he'd be so anti. Uh, uh, now, a bill that would eliminate car taxes... But make up for the loss of local revenue by increasing the property tax assessment on homes and businesses was panned by two municipal lobbies. The bill calls for phasing out property taxes on motor vehicles over a five-year period except on car rentals. It increases the property tax assessment rate from 70 to 100% to offset the municipal revenue loss. A law passed several years ago sought to use a half percent of the sales tax to offset losses in towns that ended up losing money from lowering their motor vehicle tax mill rate. And the theme here is the same, uh, that it's unfair that the same car is taxed at different rates depending on where you register it. Right. Now, again, not to pick on Governor Lamont, because he's a fine fellow, but he had floated the idea of a single statewide rate for motor vehicles uh, as kind of being a, a fairer, more equitable way for all taxpayers. Meanwhile, municipal leaders say this is a great idea in theory, but again... Your property taxes have to go up. Yeah. Nobody wants that. It's interesting, though, because I, you know, I live in Hamden um, and the mayor has talked about uh, really coming down on homeowners that have their cars registered in other towns or other like states, you know, because in in Hamden, there's um, Quinnipiac University and a lot of, you know, people have their cars here full time, but are registered out of state. Um, but. Even me, like I lived in Hamden for, you know, the first year and it was still registered in Cheshire, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so I had to fix that right away. But so they're they're cracking down on that. But... I lived in Portland, Maine for three years and I tell people I got pulled over all the time and I try to make up like a good excuse as to why. And ultimately, I never changed my license plate from yeah. Connecticut to Maine. You never changed the license plate, or did... in three years, I I never changed the registration. No, okay, so I wasn't sure if you did the registration. No, I mean I was just breaking the law. Yeah, totally. Real bad. Real bad. Real, real, real bad. But yeah, we lose a lot of you know tax dollars because of that. So this is interesting. So it's getting. I know rid a lot of, of people that. too who are have cars registered in Florida. Yeah, and they go to Florida for like two, three weeks out of the year. Right. Right. You don't live in Florida. It's a little cheaper though. Then. Yeah. I think they don't even have car taxes in Florida. I think that's why people do that. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I might be wrong. And if I'm wrong, let me know. Okay. <laughs> Not you. I mean, anybody who might be listening. You Leave want a to comment. Google that and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't mind that. Yeah. Send a text. Uh, love love to hear what you have to say. Love it if you could like it and, and, and share all the information uh, that we are providing you. You can head over to our Facebook page and our Instagram page. And make sure you visit the website. ClosingTimePodcast.com. You can check out uh, all of our previous shows. You can also 
if you're interested in real estate branding or home tour videos, it's a service that we offer here at Clovercrest Media Group. So uh, lots of cool things to see. Uh, you can also check out all of our latest listings and so much more. Yeah. And then also, if you are a real estate professional, if you're a loan officer, an attorney, and you like to be on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You can actually uh, email Joe at clovercrestmedia.com. We'd love to book some people on this show, different mm-hmm. experts in the real estate industry. You can come on and... Because uh... we like to think we're the experts, but oh, we're yeah. 100% we're not. Yeah. We're <laughs> certain we know everything yeah. until you start poking holes. And then <laughs> next thing you know. Very superficial. Now, uh, one of the things you and I have been talking a lot about yeah. lately and, and have mentioned here previously, and it's such a big part of, of the game at this point, uh, is Airbnb. Marriott is launching a home rental service going right at Airbnb and all the other short-term rental companies. Consumers are passing off traditional hotels in favor of the short-term rentals. We're seeing it more and more. Airbnb's market share has been growing. It passed Hilton in annual sales and is quickly gaining ground on Marriott. Mm-hmm. Now, here's here's what I think inspired Marriott. A new study found hotel guests are increasingly likely to consider Airbnb for their travel. 12% of major hotel customers have also booked with Airbnb, which has way more rooms than any of the hospitality companies. Airbnb has a portfolio of nearly 5 million rooms. Marriott has only 1.29 million. Wow. Uh in, in that video that you sent me... The Meet Kevin video? 2.9 rooms at Airbnb have been checked out in the last 30 days. Really? Yes. Wow. That is wow. insane amounts of business. Yeah. Uh, so Marriott would be the first hotel chain to offer the short-term rentals, although uh, my understanding is several others, including Hilton, are also considering making similar moves. Now, no coincidence... Airbnb is moving deeper into the traditional hotel space. Just in March, they bought Hotel Tonight, which is a last-minute hotel booking app. And in 2019, more than double the number of rooms it had in boutique hotels, bed and breakfast, Mm -hmm. hostels, resorts, and other uh, categorized properties. Meanwhile, Airbnb has also launched a new hospitality service to rent space in commercial spaces, including Rockefeller Center. That's so cool. So... Uh, in the video that you sent me, mm-hmm. uh, me Kevin, yeah, gr- he's fun. Yeah, he's a real he's estate a fun guy. Guru. He suggested that Airbnb is donezo, dead. Ma- yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's a- on life support. I think that's yeah. what he said. Yes, he did, and I get it. You know, he basically he was like in one foul swoop. Marriott's mm-hmm. gonna put Airbnb out of business. I think it's. I mean, I think it's gonna take a little effort Mm -hmm. for them because right now i mean airbnb is it's not the startup anymore right it's not that pesky little company i mean it surpassed hilton in sales yeah Yeah. they are the goliath and it's going to take marriott and and all the other big boys to start cutting them down now again i think that what really precipitated them deciding because they were very resistant to the short-term rentals Mm -hmm. you're starting to see people who generally only booked in hotels now start to 
check out the Airbnbs. Right. And now that it's become a significant portion of their people, now you're starting to see them. And maybe act. they were just, yeah, maybe they were just waiting for the right time to go ahead and make this move. Um, a lot of, you know, Airbnb has some had, had some bad press, um, whether it be, you know, people staying too long in their rentals and then having the host have issues getting them out or the rentals not being clean or not being what the description says. And um, a lot of times people trust or the Wi-Fi's down. The Wi-Fi's down. <laughs> that would be so terrible. It would be terrible. But I mean, it's not like you got there and there wasn't windows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did an Airbnb and there was roaches. All right. That's, that was uh, pretty bad. What we left in the middle of the night, but we got our money back. I mean, it was handled oh. very correctly. We Then we went to a hotel. The hotel was terrible. <laughs> yeah. So this is my point. It was on like the side of a highway, you know. I've been to resorts. I've been to a lot of hotels. Mm -hmm. And I've been to a few Airbnbs. I've got stories about all my Airbnb stays. Yeah. I mean, every one of them. Yeah. Good and bad. Or mostly good. Mostly good. Mostly good. Mostly good. The story where I fell out the window. Oh, right. That one was bad. Yeah. Um, I've been at, at resorts mm -hmm. down in the Caribbean, especially. All great stories. Yeah. I've been to hotels in every major city in America mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, and in Europe. And I, I can't say any of them have ever stood out. I don't have any good hotel stories. And I've stayed in some of the nicest hotels literally around the world. Not well. Maybe it's because they're of where nice. you're going to. You're more just, interested in. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they're, yeah. It, it, it's not really part of the experience. You yeah. Know, I went out to this past summer. I was out in Sonoma and I stayed at an Airbnb. It was on a farm. Yeah, that's really because they're paying for the experience, and that's what Airbnb has. Yes. To offer. And I, you know, I'm 43 years old, and and mm -hmm. my wife and I have stopped buying each other presents. Yeah. You know, hey, here's a new coffee mug. Here's a necktie. Here's and and we've done that in exchange for hey here's tickets for a show here's a weekend getaway here those are the kinds of things that we mm -hmm. buy for each other experiences things that we can tell and and when we go to dinner parties boy oh boy you know what i mean <laughs> we got stories for days because yeah. we're living for experiences and experiences are great because you can really talk about experiences and share those with other people yeah so and that's what airbnb has going but also, you have to think about this. Um, you know, Marriott obviously has a plan, and they have um, a dedicated following. They have all those people that have the Marriott re rewards. So if they offer the same experiences, are you going to go with Marriott where you can continue banking those rewards, or are you going to continue going with with Airbnb or choose Airbnb? I mean, how hard would it be though for Airbnb to come out with a well, rewards program? Well, maybe they got to do that. I would think so, and I'll tell you what. That's just to all of our advantage. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If nothing else, thanks, Marriott. If yeah. you're going to force Airbnb to give So a if you're looking program. to invest in an Airbnb property, reach out. You know? Absolutely. We could definitely help you with that. Uh, what's our new email? What's your new email address, by the way? Abby at... At N-E Prestige Realty. Realty. Realty.com. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Great new company. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot. I didn't, I'm sorry. What's your email? I didn't. Uh, yeah. All right. What's your What's your telephone number? What's your, your social? That's it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, now we we did talk about this before, uh, and and there's been quite a few more law firms lining up, going after the real estate industry practice of sharing the sales commissions 
between listing agents and buyer's agents. The National Association of Realtors, though, is fighting back. We told you in March, a home seller filed a class action antitrust lawsuit against the 1.3 million member trade group in real estate franchises, Realology, Home Services of America, Remax, and Keller Williams. Hmm. Shortly thereafter, you may have seen this, NAR uh, distributed an FAQ encouraging agents and brokers to talk to clients about their compensation and denouncing the suit's claims. Opinions within the industry have varied. Some think that this could potentially wreak havoc on home buyers and on realtors. Some think this may just be nothing. That these these suits are, are probably going to stretch out for years. Uh, ass- assume billions in damages at some point will be rewarded. But we'll, we'll see how this whole story plays out. It, it's a really interesting thing. And I honestly had never thought about it all the years that we've sort of been doing this. Right. And cuz it's just the way it it is. Well, right, right. and you know, look, that's I think when when you're talking about any sort of industry. Mm-hmm. And when you ask that question like why do we do this and the answer is well, that's the way it's always been done. I I've never liked that answer. Mm-hmm. Not applied to any industry that I work or participate in. This is one of those things that, I mean, obviously a lawyer took a look at this and lawyers handle real estate transactions all the time. They know exactly how this all works. And the idea that this this might be illegal or has been for a really long time is a frightening thought. It, it really is. Yeah. Um, the whole idea behind this is that you're not charging your buyer for your services. Mm-hmm. That was always sort of one of the reasons why yeah. you could tell a buyer, sign with me, it costs you nothing. Right, right. And and apparently that was wrong and illegal. Uh, and I guess you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, but it does cost them. I don't I don't know. It's hard. It, it, well, that's what I'm saying, yeah. right? It, <clears throat> it's gonna you're paying you're paying one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Does it I mean, does it matter if you just separate and charge the client separately that fee? To be paid, I don't know, at closing. Yeah. That's a separate fee and not part of the purchase price. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. it just it seems like something that could be easily remedied. And yeah. I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure if the merit of the case is accurate. Right. I mean, is the issue that they're not getting paid equally or No, the the issue as it comes down to it, is that you're basically forcing the seller to take on all the cost, yeah, all of the cost, right? At the at, at, but again, who's paying for that? Right, the it's buyer. A, yeah, the yeah. buyer is paying yeah. for it, basically with the cost, with the of, cost the of the house. Home. Yeah. So I don't know. the The whole thing seems kind of sketchy. Um, the cool thing is, is that as this thing goes through the courts, it's going to take years and years and years before you get. But what kind of damage of is it doing now? Right you know? now, none. But again, I, I do think it's one of those things. You don't that think I, that buyers might be weary or, you know, sellers might be weary of, you know, a, it might give us a bad look, you know? Oh, I definitely think it gives a bad look. So, and I think that's why it's great that, that NAR is, is kind of getting getting on top of this and, yeah. and, and, and talking to agents and brokers about how to best talk to your clients about it exactly and, and that's what it is right. you have to set expectations and you have to tell them how things work a lot of times what actually what i've seen recently 
um, not really from my sellers, um, but people out there that question like, how much are you getting paid? You know, it's typically 6% commission, the seller get uh, the listing agent gets uh, 3.5. And the buyer's agent gets 2.5. But should it be more equal? Um, if you offer less to the buyer's agent, if you offer 2%, you know, maybe you take a, you know, a, a smaller or a large, yeah, smaller commission in general. And so you only offer 2%. Is that going to not really give the buyer's agent incentive to show your house. Yes. Yes. Of but course is that it's not. okay? But is, that's weird. Like that, I, for me, I would show any house, you know? I've never ever considered the commission on no. any house I've ever seen. And yeah. it's not, you know, it's not even something I think about until literally, you know, my client's like, hey, I like this place. And then, I'm like, ah, I should look this up. Yeah. <laughs> and I really take a better look at it. I'm like, yeah. ah, 2%, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Sold. I don't care. Right. Because you want to do what's best for your client. Um, but, you know, um, if you're the seller, you want every agent to be like us, but not every agent is like us. One of my first transactions, uh, the <laughs> we put an offer in and... I had taken a training where, like, the the trainee told us you'd never take less than 3%, even yeah. as a buyer agent. And so I literally... the real world, but... I, no, I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. I wrote my first contract, uh, <laughs> and I literally added the other half percent, mm -hmm. and the listing agent called me up and was like, what is this crap? Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, this woman told and she was like, get out of here with that. Yeah. It's two and a half. You're just going to take it. And I was like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I've seen a lot of these debates recently. Actually, I follow um, a funny Instagrammer, uh, Realtor for Hire. She's actually a realtor, I believe, in Detroit. And she also is an author. She wrote for uh, The Broke Agent, which is also an awesome Instagrammer. But she put on her uh, stories recently a little, you know, survey. You can do their yes or no. So the question was, should listing agents and buyer's agents make the same commission split? 62% of her followers said yes, and 38 said no. Interesting. So people want to be equal. Well, it only makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it it really does. I, I think again, apply that to any industry. Everybody just wants to be equal. Yeah, that that certainly does make a whole lot of sense. Uh, what about Abby? Yes, extra cash. Could that make home buyers more loyal to their agent? I don't see why not. I would think so. Well, uh, Realtor dot com and Op City, uh, which are both owned by News Corp's real estate subsidiary Move Inc are launching a new cash rebate effort on OpCity's online lead generation platform with the goal of increasing the rate of connections leading to closings. You actually use OpCity, you were I telling do. me. Yep. Can you explain it a little bit, how it works? And Because I, yeah. I really, upon you explaining it to me, I was like, I want it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's great. So instead of you know Zillow leads um, or typical leads that you've been doing right now where you pay up front, OpCity they're free until you close them. So you get a little alert on your phone. It tells you, um, you know, the buyer's location, their budget, their time frame, and you have to either accept or decline right away because this same alert is being sent to all the other local realtors in your area. So um, you have to be on your game, hit accept. And then at that moment, someone from Op City calls you 
um, and puts you on the phone live with the buyer or the seller or the investor, whoever it is, uh, right at that moment. And then you start chatting. And you got to be ready to go. Ready to go. Immediately. Yeah. You know, drop everything. You know, you're in the frozen food section at Target. You have to be ready. So um, you chat with them. And you keep that relationship going using their CRM, actually. Um, and then at closing, you pay them a percentage for the lead. Okay, so the specific dollar amount that a consumer receives is based on a sliding scale. In other words, the property is worth 150000 The consumer would get back roughly $400. Mm-hmm. On a $4 million property, the consumer gets back about $12,000. OpCity's founder and CEO, Ben Rubenstein, said the incentive program was born out of researching what agents like the best about referral platforms with high conversion rates. Outside of great service and a great experience, OpCity found that some sort of rewards program is a great incentive for consumers to stick with agents, Mm -hmm. uh, which OpCity platform matches them with. Yeah, it's really funny because even within our office, I have you know, chatted with somebody, uh, they were an investor in New Haven and I was doing my follow up and everything. And then he kind of just stopped, you know, responding like they do. <laughs> and I was talking with another agent in our office, um, in like the Rocky Hill area. And she's like talking to me about this guy and how they've been, you know, she gone through Op City and everything. And it was the same guy. <laughs> That is that is so insane. Absolutely same guy. Yeah. So why were they talking to two of us? You know, how do we other than our, you know, great follow up and our knowledge and everything, um, there has to be a little bit more for them to stay with somebody. Um, again though, we see where a rewards type program mm-hmm. incentivizes people to do what you want them to do. Yes. <laughs> I think if there's a running theme on today's program, it would be that that I think anywhere you know where where you get some added value mm-hmm. as the consumer on the back end is kind of an ideal situation. Right. Again, if you're looking at a four million dollar home, you're going to get twelve k back. That's that's solid. Yeah. You know, I'll that's take a, it. I would stay loyal to you. Thank you. If I knew I was getting 12 (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you visit our website, closingtimepodcast.com. I mentioned you could check out all of our previous podcasts. We kind of cover all that's going on in the real estate world. Also share some some fun stories from the field. You can also check out uh, branding videos, home video tours. It's all services that we offer. You can check out listings. And uh, you can get our info if you are a client in your home, uh, you're in the home market, looking to buy or sell. We would be happy to work with you. Abby and I are, I I have to say this, a pleasure to work with. I like to think so. Uh, Everyone I've talked to says, you guys are so great. I would love it if you guys were my agent. And I'm just passing that information along. Who are these people? (laughs) Lots lots, Lots, lots lots of of people. people. Many people are saying. Um, Ailes Beach is no stranger to revolutionizing the way things get done. The iconic 30A community has done it again with a new world-class fitness center. It offers world-class fitness facilities combined (laughs) with stunning architectural design and a very friendly non-realtor environment. What do I mean? Well, memberships open to the public with one small exception. (laughs) The Ailes Beach Fitness Center does not allow any members who work in the real estate profession to join. I love it. This policy is a new trend in the fitness industry. 
Ells Beach sits right in the middle of one of the most highly realtor-infested areas of the country. There are nearly 3,000 real estate professionals lurking in that area every single day. Lurking. You know, yeah. The uh, shadows. Right? (laughs) It's hard being a realtor. And one of the things you get trained to do is is every opportunity you have, you're supposed to approach people and be like, hey, I'm a realtor. Are you yeah. buying or selling? Or, hey, I'm a realtor. Do you know anybody looking? And would you refer me to them? Mm-hmm. And, and you now, have it down pat. It's like yeah. you've done the scripts. <laughs> <laughs> but now, and, and it's funny because obviously we, we do uh, continuing at every two years. And one of the mandatory things you have to take mm-hmm. is ethics. Right. And a big part of ethics is to not discriminate against any buyer. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are <laughs> being discriminated being discriminated against. We're not a protected class. Just for who we are and <laughs> what we do. Unfortunately, we're not. But we help people. Yeah. I think NAR but should, should people... uh, lobby Congress to get us in the protected class status. That's horrible. No, no Joe. But when you're sweating on the elliptical, yeah. you know, you don't want to be approached by some lurky realtor. Are you looking to buy or sell? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's funny. I, I used to do CrossFit a lot in Trumbull, and it was a great facility. I would go Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at 12 o'clock. And after two weeks of going there, you know, religiously and, and kind of getting to know people, I was like, all right, this is it. This is the day I go and tell everyone I'm a realtor. Wear my realtor shirt and everything. Um, and so I start, and they're like, oh, we're all realtors. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I'm like, oh, of course. Yes. Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 12 o'clock. Right. You are all real Who else is around? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I I get it, you know, but here's the thing, you know, and you sort of alluded to it earlier. I mean, if you're a good person, generally, you kind of, you know. Yeah. You know when the right moment is and when it's not. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if there's a woman on the elliptical and she's going at it, I'm not going to walk. I mean, because I think that's every woman's worst nightmare. And it's like, oh, he's not trying to get my, well, he is trying to get my number to sell me a house. Mm-hmm. That's as annoying and off-putting as if I was just asking, or you know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and you know, my, my wife's a, a gym person, and it's her least favorite thing mm-hmm. when a random stranger approaches her. And it's never to sell houses. So it's not, it's just not, it's not the right place or the right time. Mm -hmm. You know, strike up a conversation, act like a human being. Yeah. You know, and then maybe on the way out. Yeah. When they're, by the way, when they're less vulnerable. Yeah. You know, (laughs) they're not so sweaty. Yeah. No, um, I actually, one of the realtors that I know in the area, she's great. She does a lot of business. She's wonderful. Um, Her license plate says real, real tour. I guess that was the only one that was like, T-O-U-R. Gotcha. Um, but right next to her license plate, she has a little business card holder on her car. Smart. Yes. So wherever she is, she posts on Instagram her location and she's like, I'm in the third row at fitness.com or wherever gym she's at. I don't know. Um, you know, come grab a, a business card. That is really smart. Yeah. It's just different. Again, I think you got to be respectful of people's time. Yeah. yeah. And people's space and their privacy. We've got a job to do. And I think people can respect that. But, you know, I mean, that's a really smart way to. Yeah. If you're interested, you'll let me know. And, and I'm the, letting you know that I'm interested in you, you if you're interested yeah. in me. And by the way, there's no gym called fitness.com. Yeah, you just, <laughs> just, just made came up. up with that. Yeah, that doesn't exist. <laughs> All right, so here's a big question. How do you set a proper list price 
that'll satisfy your seller and attract qualified buyers. Uh, the magic number in the six steps to pricing a new listing. Number one, you got to push the envelope, but you should have a plan B in place. When it comes to listing a house, you got to be aware of the fine line between price to sell and price to keep. Mm -hmm. And to find that line, you have to understand that properties are not an income property where you take in the income minus the expenses divided by the sales price and then come out with a cap rate uh, that should make it move. Don't price your property to keep it. No. Otherwise, you're going to be like the Maytag repairman, just kind of sitting there waiting for the phone to ring with, with nobody calling. Nobody wants that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, here's what I find with every single seller I've ever come across. They already know what the price is that they want their house to go for. Mm -hmm. You have to explain to them realistically what the right number is the market value and they're there i mean have you ever had a client who is like it should be priced at 220 you're like 220 how about 280 i did really yeah I all did. right <laughs> tell us that one time it ever happened in real estate and you really had a client i've never had that happen yeah i did that's yeah. amazing yeah it was great i mean we, we got full asking so in the end at the price i wanted the higher price is that right yeah yeah oh yeah. You must be getting referrals on, to, on that one, <laughs> on that I would one. think. Yeah, that was really great. All right. The second step to proper pricing is to think multiple. Mm -hmm. Now, every listing agent's goal is to wake up in the morning and find your inbox flooded with offers. Bidding more. Multiple. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, and that might all very well be below the list price. But with every offer, you're you're now able to send out multiple counter offers that will assist in bringing out every buyer's bottom line. So the think multiple technique works because eventually the market itself will tell the seller and, of course, you mm -hmm. what the market value actually is based on the offers that you receive. So how do you get these multiple offers? You uh, price just below, right? You price just, just below. below. Yeah. That's it's magic. Do, right? Especially in this market. Woof. Absolutely. A creating demand up front ensures the best possible outcome in the end. Yeah. Now, but no you have to have a hot listing. You got to make sure it, it's it's just so, you know? Yes. Everything's and, and clean and you've gotta, looking its best. You got to, from day one, when that bad boy goes on the market, it's got to be ready to go. Yeah. You know, if they still have to do a couple things to it, mm. you're just not wait. ready. Just wait that week. You're not ready. Help them. Yes. No. And tell them that. We want this thing to be 100% ready so it is a hot listing. Mm -hmm. uh, the number three thing you need to know is to not use fake or false data. Who does that? Believe it or not, <laughs> they do. Uh, yeah. Someone once said that there's three types of lies. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> a lot of agents will pull or rely on comps or data from sales that just have no relevance. Right. So... That's kind of where we're coming from. I don't think anyone's just making stuff up, but you yeah. know, sometimes you're doing a comp and you pull that listing that you know is kind of gonna bump the price up. Yeah, just because you want it to get a little bit bumped up. I think we've all done that once or twice. Right. You're not really doing yourself any favors, and you're not really being honest with yourself or your client. Um, through some information, uh, though, some of the information uh, might seem accurate on the surface. Uh, an app or website like Zillow or Trulia that pulls an approximate value for listing uh, is not necessarily accurate, and, it, and it's not really a gauge for the truth. 
I, I think the worst thing your client... Because they're based on cookie cutter. Yes, yeah. the worst thing your client's going to say to you is, but I saw on Zillow, it's... And you're like, oh, just oh, stop it. Just stop. Gosh. <laughs> is that what that computer program said? Yeah. Come on. That's yeah. not... Number four. Number four. <laughs> as far as uh, pricing a listing properly, you got to avoid the monkey see, monkey do. Mm-hmm. When it comes to listings... You got to find the best price for you and your client, but don't fall into that monkey see, monkey do syndrome. It's important you price your listing based on what you believe is the best price, not what the other active properties are listed at. Mm-hmm. Don't rely on an app or a like site said, yeah. or your seller to determine the eventual list price. You got to extrapolate all the data and information that's available to you to come up with a list price that will reach your seller's goal. And of course, eventually sell the house yeah because you want it like we said use the accurate information because you know who's going to use that accurate information the appraiser yes and that's the most important thing again you could list a house for whatever Mm -hmm. and you very well could find someone willing to pay it but what happens when it doesn't appraise out yeah so again you're not doing yourself any favors uh the number five thing on the list to accurately uh come up with a listing price is to be proactive not reactive i love i know you do uh, the market is in a constant flux. Mm-hmm. Interest rates rise, demand falls, demand falls, prices get stagnant. And when that happens, creative and innovative marketing, as well as proactiveness, must happen before other properties in the area make those same adjustments. So be the first one to drop the price. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you're reacting to everybody else, you're going to see a lot less action. Don't be the kid who plays musical chairs and then doesn't have a chair to sit on. Be the property that the other listings are adjusting to. I love this. And I, you know what? I also love this because I put my heart and soul into my clients and my in my houses that I'm selling for my sellers. Um, I want them to get the best price. I want them to get it quickly and have the transaction be as smooth as possible. So if things are taking a little bit longer than um, we're expected, um, I don't want to sit there and and freak out about it. I want to be proactive. So whether that's dropping the price or changing something in the house or just going out and talking to people about the listing, always stay active and, you know, get you to that goal, whatever that may be. Now, the last step to pricing a new listing is one that you may have heard before. And especially if you're a new agent or even a part-time agent may not sound so appealing, (laughs) But number six, be prepared to walk away from a listing. I don't want to walk away, though. That's You never do. No. However, there's times when you and the seller are just yeah. too far apart in agreeing on a list price to anticipate a positive outcome. Mm-hmm. And if that be the case, just walk away. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to end up with two disappointed and frustrated people. You're going to be wasting your time. And for the seller, they're going to get no results. So mm-hmm. knowing the best option might just be to walk away. The, strat- the strategy for proper price listing is by no means a case of build it and they will come. It's list it and they will buy. Oh, that's a good one. So, again. You got these good liners. So, yeah, I don't never want to walk away. I always want to have that conversation and try and sell them on why, you know, I want to list it at this price or why I want to do this and how it may be contradictory of what they're thinking or feeling. Um but you're right. If you do need to walk away, then that's a learning experience on how to do it better next time. You're not going to get them all. I no. think that's the important thing. And, and it's, I think, best not to force it if it's not the right matchup. It's yeah. not the right matchup. And even if you're struggling in business 
it's it's probably not the experience that's going to make you a better agent or inspire yeah. you anymore to, to really focus your energies into the business. It might get you out of it quicker, you know, more quickly. I agree. It, it really would. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is about it for this week's show. Once again, uh, if you are in the real estate industry, whether it be a mortgage broker or a closing attorney or the amazing paralegals that make it happen, <laughs> Those people are the best. Yes. Um, home inspectors and, and, and beyond. We'd love to have you on the show. You can email Joe at clovercrestmedia.com. We'd love you to visit our website, closingtimepodcast.com. You can check out all of our previous episodes and get so much more, including all the latest news from the real estate industry. You could also find out more about the excellent branding and home video tours that we can do for you to help you grow out your business just like Abby and I are doing ourselves. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love it if you liked and shared and commented. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and if you are in the market, mm. hit up Abby. Yes. At neprestigerealty.com. Uh, we would absolutely love to help you buy or sell your next property. For Abby Bro, I'm Joe McGuire. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Closing Time Podcast.